welcome to MPP Soundbites. I'm Lisa Lintern. The Clearinghouse is a banking association and payments company in the United States, owned by some of the country's largest commercial banks. In late 2017, shortly before the launch of Australia's MPP, the Clearinghouse rolled out America's first real-time payments infrastructure, the RTP network. In this episode of NPP Soundbites, I take a virtual trip to the United States to chat with Steve Ledford, the Senior Vice President of Product Strategy and Development at The Clearinghouse. I asked him about the use cases coming to life via the platform and the role the RTP has played during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks for joining me today, Steve. Well, thank you, Lisa. It's, uh, I'm happy to uh, do this. Look forward to talking to the folks at NPP and uh, all of the folks who listen to this podcast. Excellent. Well, let's start by first taking a helicopter look at real-time payments in the United States for those who may not be familiar. What does the real-time payments ecosystem look like there? Well, there's a lot going on. My company, The Clearinghouse, operates the RTP network, which is a uh, it is a real-time instant payment system linking uh, banks, credit unions uh, for account-to-account transfers for a variety of purposes. But there are also other ways of moving money um, in real time. The card networks both offer uh, push-to-card uh, op- um, offerings. Uh, Visa Direct, MasterCard Send, which are based on sending money to a card account number. Uh, you also have... Uh, services that are focusing on particular use cases. Zelle, for example, um, allows you to send uh, funds from one uh, bank or credit union to another based on an email address or a phone number. Um, And that's used for everything from person-to-person payments, certain business payments to individuals, uh, certain payments to small businesses. Some of them actually move across the RTP network. Some of them move across the card networks, and some are done on a basis where the recipient gets the funds immediately, but then they um, are settled separately over our ACH network on a next day basis. And then of course we have the closed loop systems such as PayPal and Venmo, uh, focusing on things like person to person payments, uh, where it goes from a wallet to another wallet. And so we have a variety of different ways of moving money in real time in the US. And uh, they're satisfying a lot of different use cases. Learn, learn more about that every day. So the Clearinghouse's RTP network launched in November 2017. Can you describe how it works, its capabilities, and how it compares to Australia's MPP? Uh, yes, we launched roughly the same time as NPP. And so we've, uh, we've enjoyed keeping up with what's happening in Australia. Uh, we have a great relationship with NPP. We, we uh, exchange lessons learned. On one hand, what NPP does and what RTP network does uh, is almost identical. To the end user, uh, the money is moving instantly. You send the money, you get the money. The money is there. And so in that way, it is very, very similar. There are a few differences. We're currently limiting payments to 100,000 US dollars. Uh, that's under review, but you know, I think you can send a good bit more over the NPP network. Other things, when you get down under uh, under the surface and into the actual plumbing, uh, the architecture is actually fairly different. All of the uh, movement of messaging, clearing, and settlement of payments happens in one process. 
Uh, we don't actually have to interact with the central bank to settle funds. Always have, you know, NPP, of course, has a very tight linkage with the RBA to settle funds. The NPP has gone on more of a peer-to-peer -peer basis. Ours is a bit more centralized. But to be honest with you, if you're an end user, it probably seems very much the same. So different approaches, same outcomes. Yeah, I believe that's a good way of putting it, yes. So how has the RTP network grown since its launch? So how many financial institutions and accounts can be reached by the network today? And what kind of, just roughly, what kind of volume and value are you seeing? Uh, we, we have a, I checked it just this morning. I believe we have 104 financial institutions on the network today. And that number is growing pretty rapidly. One of the things that we did over the past year is put in place a way that smaller financial institutions, some of the community banks and the credit unions, of which we have thousands in the U.S., can uh, avoid going through a lot of the technical hurdles, uh, and they can connect through a, one of the third-party processes that already, already serves them. And we can do that very quickly. So we, we're bringing on, in some cases, as many as a dozen financial institutions in a single day. Uh, the larger financial institutions are more likely to connect directly. So we have 104, I believe, financial institutions. The number of accounts, don't actually know what the number is, but it reaches a little bit less than 60% of all transaction accounts in the U.S. So a fairly sizable number. Um, we hope to get that number to increase as we keep going forward and adding more financial institutions. In terms of the volumes, we're doing millions of transactions a month. We don't, we have, we, we don't really publish those uh, figures uh, today, but millions of transactions a month worth billions of dollars. Uh, and that number is, is actually growing fairly rapidly, typically 10, 15% month-on-month growth. So what do you think is its full potential? Is, is there a goal that you're working towards in terms of the network's reach and, and transaction volume? Well, eventually we want to reach every uh, every financial institution and every account in the U.S. Of course, each one needs to choose to join. So uh, that might take a, a little bit of time, but that is our goal. Um, in terms of the volume, it's X number of billion. We just don't know what that X is yet. Uh, but we know that uh, it, it's capable of serving a lot of different use cases. We, we don't intend is for it to be the only payment system. We think there will be, you know, for a long time an ongoing need for whether it's the ACH, uh, which works very well, whether it's going to be, you know, some of the card systems, uh, wire transfers, there's a need for all of these. So we don't expect it to uh, completely displace any payment system, but we think the potential is definitely be in the billions of transactions a year. And um, we're seeing really more and more of that potential all the time. So talk to me about those use cases now. Are there any particular that's driving the RTP's growth? Right now, the use cases that are driving the growth are those where the recipients are either individuals or the recipients are small businesses for the most part. Uh, and and the, the reason for that is just pure numbers. There are more individuals and there are more small businesses than there are mid-sized and larger businesses. Some of the use cases that are contributing to that are um, various kinds of payroll, which surprised us. We never expected that to be a big use case for an instant payment system for the simple reason that um, the ACH and direct deposit of payroll works really well, and most folks in the country already get that. 
but uh, a couple of things happened between the time we started designing the system uh, in the last year or so. The gig economy has taken off in a really big way. Uh, and so whether that's something like ride sharing or whether it's something like meal delivery or the various other things, uh, there's a lot more folks who are engaged in that. And one of the things that these, uh, these companies have found is that it can become a competitive advantage to be able to allow their contractors to get cash immediately. So that has been a big use case. And you can only imagine over the last few months as we've had a lot of folks spending more time at home, things like delivery to home has been a big, a big deal. So, uh, but not just that, one of the things that has really surprised us is how many folks are using RTP for regular payroll. And part of it is just a matter of it allows them to pay their employees and cut that payroll much more closely to the, to the payday. They don't have to uh, predict ahead of time uh, for hourly employees. That could be a really big deal. We're seeing more of that. And the other thing is that even outside of the gig economy, there has been a growing movement toward pay on demand that uh, employees can ask to be paid for whatever their accrued hours are at any time. This is particularly, this is particularly uh, popular in areas like retail trades, you know, quick service restaurants, that type of thing. Uh, other restaurants as well, the ability to do things like cash out tips. And so those things are all contributing to payroll becoming one of our biggest, and it's definitely our fastest growing these days. Account to account transfers are another case that we just didn't really realize were going to be as big. And here I'm primarily talking to those ongoing recurring transfers. I have money at one account uh, at a bank. I want to put it in my account at a credit union perhaps, and I want to move that money and move it instantly. Folks didn't like the fact that it was typically taking a day or two for those transfers to be made. And so it's very satisfying, but we just didn't realize how much of that activity there was out there. And as uh, financial institutions have transferred over to this method of doing it, uh, it's been a big boost. Uh, we're also seeing that people making transfers to themselves out of their, uh, their, their, their wallets that they might be using, uh, whether it's a wallet for a PayPal or a Venmo or their savings plans such as Digit, folks want to be able to put that money into their uh, banker or, or credit union account, and they can do that immediately. And so those are other really big drivers that we were never expecting to see that ended up just being big use cases. Another one is folks use cards at merchants. Merchants want to get that money. They want to get that money in their account. They want to get it there now. And so it's become a competitive issue among some of the merchant processors to be able to take the funds for settlement of card receipts and uh, put them immediately into their customer's account. So a number of the large you, uh, large merchant processors are offering that as a capability, and that's been another big driver. Those right now are probably the three biggest drivers of volume. And one of the interesting things was, is that when we were projecting where we'd be getting volume four years ago, not a single one of those was on our radar. And that's one of the things I love about uh, faster payments is that folks are very creative and the end users and the financial institutions are much better at figuring out how this is going to improve their way of managing finances, their business than we ever could be. Uh, and, it, and it's one of the benefits of having a, 
broadly usable network. I think you see that with MPP in Australia as well. Folks are finding really fascinating ways of using it. There are also a number of niche type of use cases. Business to business um, is one of them. We're, we're seeing more and more of that. Things like mortgage closings. And you know, $100,000, you might think, how many mortgage closings can you do? It's not for paying the principal amount on the, um, on the, uh, the, the home. It's for things like the escrow, the agents, all of those folks who need to be paid uh, whenever you close. So that's one factoring is becoming an interesting one. Uh, folks who want to be able to take their invoices, get their money now, uh, it's becoming a competitive factor there. And the best thing about it is we don't even know what the use cases are. We don't have a way of classifying them on the network. These look like payments to us in the center. I learn about a lot of these by reading about them in the financial press, the trade press. All of a sudden, I'll read someone saying, we're using RTP to do this, that, or the other. And it's, it's, it's really kind of gratifying. The fact that we just don't even know how it's being used, I, I think, is one of the benefits. So a number of markets with real-time payments are currently looking at some form of request for payment to support use cases such as recurring payments and subscription payments. What is the clearinghouse looking to do in this space? Well, one of the things is that we have already built a request for payment into the network. Uh, It's a standard message. It's one that we've had since the very launch of the network. But unlike regular payments, uh, if you're on the network, you can receive a payment. And anyone who else who's on the network knows that they can send to you uh, at that particular bank or credit union. Request for payment is a bit more involved. It gets involved in that experience that the consumer or the business has, the ability to receive the request for payment, then pay it. Pay it. And so you need to make sure that the financial institutions on both sides of that transaction have made this part of their channel experience with their, uh, with their customers. So one of the things that we have done is we put together a group of folks, some of them who were at the, uh, at the banks who, rep, who were involved in developing the consumer mobile and online apps. The other one is a group of folks who were uh, in the business of providing biller services to some of the billers. And we said retail bill payment is going to be important an important use case for this. We got them together and figured out what is it that you need to know as a biller in order to feel confidence in sending a request for payment. And they said, we want to make sure that, yes, the customer is going to be able to receive it. They'll be able to know it's us billing them, make the payment, that type of thing. So that was translated into a reference design for those designing those products. Then we said, what is it the consumer wants to know? Well, they want to know a few things. Will this bill be paid? Can I actually see a copy of the bill if I want to? Those kind of things. So we went to those representing the billers and say, you need to be building that. The good news is we have, um, we have a few banks who have built that out now. We have a small amount of activity going on. We are planning by the end of this year to have most of uh, the banks that represent most of the accounts in the country able to fully support that consumer experience as well as the biller experience. And so it's something we have in the offing. Uh, the technology was there, but what this really showed us is the level of coordination it takes to really make something like this work, and, and uh, we did that. One of the other things that we did to support this is the bit about saying, I want to be able to see my bill, or if you think about it in a commercial context, I want to see my, uh, I want to see my invoice. One can do that within the messages we have 
but a lot of folks say, I have a specific format or I have a certain look and feel that I want. Um, and it doesn't make sense for me to try to conform to that particular standard. So what we have done is we're in the process of setting up a document, uh, a document service where one can reference a document from inside of a request for payment or a payment for that matter and say, go here and you can find the document you want. And that way, if you have two businesses, they're interacting, they've decided to use a particular way of providing invoice information, they can do that. It doesn't have to be something that everyone else does. For consumer bills, um, it can again be made available in a way that that particular biller wants their consumer to see it. One of the things about the way we're doing this though is we realize there's already a lot of folks in the business of supporting delivery of bills. So rather than saying you have to give us the bill, what we're doing is we're putting in place what's in essence a switch. And it's a standardized way to go and retrieve those documents uh, wherever they might be. It might be at the bill or it might be in one of their service providers, it might be at a bank. Uh, but as long as they've gone through the process of registering it and providing that secure link to get to it, uh, you'll be able to do it. So that's something that we're putting in place in concert with ramping up this request for payment for bill pay. That's really interesting. And what's your timings on that? When do you, what are you aiming for in terms of delivery? Um, that should all be in place by the end of the year, but we'll start seeing it really as early as next quarter. Uh, we do have some folks who can support these kind of things now, but next quarter and in the third quarter, we see a lot of the financial institutions uh, rolling this out at what you could call commercial levels, not just a pilot, not just a test. So we're really looking forward to that. So in Australia, during the COVID-19 pandemic, the MPP has played an important role in supporting small businesses and urgent government payments. The US has been hit particularly hard by COVID-19. What's been the impact on or the role of the RTP? Very good question. First of all, um, no one, no one wants to go through something like the COVID pandemic that we've had. It's been terrible. We are, however, making sure that whatever we can do in, in, the, in the financial community, in the payments community, we're doing what we can to help folks. And one of the things, some of the things that folks were working on already, that we're going to be part of that whole digitization, making, you know, really payments and the way we deal with things financially uh, much more digital. There was already a lot of planning going on, but when COVID hit and folks went into lockdown, we realized that we needed to move forward much more quickly. Some of the things were pretty straightforward. In the U.S., we had a program uh, called the Payroll Protection Program. And it was a way that uh, particularly small to mid-sized businesses could get loans from financial institutions that were backed by the federal government. And if they used the loans to maintain certain levels of employment, you know, uh, payrolls, furloughs, those types of things, um, the loans could be forgiven. What happened is when it, everyone got hit so hard and so fast when we all went into lockdown, there was a need to get that money out quickly. And a number of the banks that were making these PPP loans decided the fastest way that I can get this money to these businesses is to use RTP. So that was one you know, small way that it was done. Some of the other things that we've seen is that for business-to-business -business payments, invoice payments, things like that, 
when you can't go into the office, you're sitting at home, you can't get to your check printer, or you can't open up the envelopes and extract the check and deposit them. This was a big problem. We also found supply lines horribly disrupted. You know, there were lines around stores, folks trying to get basic goods and that type of thing. And so when supply chains were disrupted, folks had to find new suppliers who could supply them with everything from protective gear to just good old fashioned uh, daily staples. So business to business payments went through a lot of change. What we found is that there was a market increase. We saw a notable increase both in the number of payments, uh, the number of payments that were of a size that would make them seem most likely to be invoice payments. Our typical size of a payment, by the way, our average size is about 350 US dollars, but a lot of payments that were in that several thousand, tens of thousands of dollar range, clearly more invoice payments, those spiked when we got into April and May. Our average payment actually went up by about 30% during that period just because of all of these new business-related payments. And we decided we'd scratch under the surface and find out what was going on. So we talked to some of the banks, but we also talked directly to some of the corporate treasurers who were doing this. And one of the things they told us was when you have a new supplier and you're not yet on credit terms, they might be holding off on sending you the goods until they know the payment has cleared and is not going to be returned. When you send them an RTP payment, they'll send the goods to you immediately because they know it's good funds. Uh, some of them even said, you know what, I'd always just written checks uh, for my invoices, but when I had to go electronic, there happened to be this new little button on my, uh, on my online banking screen that says real-time payment. And real-time sounded good enough to me, so I just started hitting that button and making those payments. Because it was the newest one, it was the one that was, in many cases, the easiest for them to deploy. And, but there were just a lot of reasons, but being able to help companies get over the hump in terms of being supplied and paying their bills, that became a really important use case, uh, and it probably helped keep things moving along. Another one, I, I mentioned a little while ago, things like the factoring of invoices. One of the things we ran into is we ran into issues with just logistics, moving things around the country, and a key portion of that are the truck drivers who will be paid when they deliver a load. There, were, there was actually a company that jumped in and started using RTP to advance them funds based on factoring those, um, those uh, invoices or bills of lading, I guess they would be. And so just different things like that. And then finally, I mentioned already the instant payroll, the instant payout for merchant services. When cash flow is strained, folks want to get the money quickly. These are all things that probably would have happened eventually, but it became so important to get these things going during the pandemic because people needed money and they needed new ways of doing things. And when everything's going digital, what better way of going digital than with something that's instant? So the Federal Reserve has moved to create its own real-time payments network, FedNow. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for RTP and the clearinghouse? Well, it's hard to say right now because FedNow, I think they are planning on going live sometime in 2023. In the meantime, we're continuing to, to build and grow. We have been working closely with our colleagues at the Federal Reserve, comparing our specifications to the Fed's specifications for FedNow, uh, and really helping to guide where some of the differences might be. 
the goal being to make them as similar and as compatible as possible. Uh, if they're compatible, if someone wants to choose to make some payments with RTP, some with FedNow, it won't be that difficult for them to do that. We're still trying to get a better idea of what FedNow is going to do. I think it's going to look very similar to RTP. The goals are similar, instant payments between financial institutions. I guess time will tell. Uh, in the meantime, we're just keeping on, keeping on, and we're going to get as many financial institutions on our network and get as many folks using it. That's the that's uh, really the most important thing for us to be focusing on now. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been uh, really interesting to hear about what's happening in the United States. So thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, glad to have the opportunity and happy to talk to you and your listeners anytime.